Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. It feels like the earth has moved under our feet. Everything has changed. We have lost our footing. Unlike other tragedies, this one is long and drawn out with more bad news ahead, we are told. I, like you, feel off. My emotions, erratic, tears, sometimes catch me off guard. I thought of the Carol King song, I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. It sounds like an earthquake, the apocalypse, the end of the world. But no surprise, it's about love. Like so many songs, like so much of life, the words can mean two things at once. Like this Sunday with its twin themes of palm and passion. An emotional roller coaster. The highs of Hosanna leading to the howling cries from Jesus abandoned on the cross. Tragedy and triumph, terror and beauty, what it means to be human. And we, are living through a seismic shift, like an earthquake, if you will. In Matthew's account of the passion, an earthquake follows Jesus' death. For the early followers of Jesus, his death and resurrection were the end of the world as they knew it and the beginning of a new age. So for us, the narratives of this Holy Week are also seismic revealing God's deep love for the world and the pattern of our own baptismal dying and rising. Grief expert David Kessler said in a recent Brene Brown podcast, we are dealing with the collective loss of the world we knew. It is now gone forever. Now we're going to talk about the world before the pandemic. We're going to find meaning. We're going to come out the other side of this. Kessler described grief as the death of something, a loved one, a marriage, a relationship, a job. This is a collective loss of the world we lived in before the pandemic. And like every other loss, we didn't know what we had until it was gone. As Kessler went on to say, in these times, the worst loss is the one happening to you, whatever your age, whatever your situation, whether a high school senior who can't go to prom or a spouse unable to visit their dying beloved in a hospital. As the earth moves under humanity's feet, we proclaim divine self-emptying, divine vulnerability, Many of us love what Brene Brown says about vulnerability, but in our context, in our Christian Lutheran context, it's even more, it's divine vulnerability. As Paul puts it, though Christ Jesus was in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. This divine humbling revealed most fully on the cross is also victory and resurrection, something we celebrate even today 
this Lord's Day, for every Sunday, we hold intention, death and resurrection, loss and transformation. So as you listen to the passion this morning, listen for some earth-shattering elements. Imagine the earth moving under the feet of the early followers of Jesus as they heard of their leader naked, vulnerable, rejected by his very own. Listen as Jesus throws himself on the ground in Gethsemane, prays and pleads for his life, struggling to accept what is happening to him. Note how the Lord of life is denied and betrayed by two closest to him. Sense the darkness that covers the earth as Jesus cries words of abandonment. And finally, don't miss the earth quaking as we hear the climatic words of faith by the centurion. Truly, this was God's son. Let us now listen to the passion and I will share a few more thoughts afterwards. The Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ According to St. Matthew When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all become deserters because of me this night. But Peter said to Jesus, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. But Peter said to Jesus, Even though I must die with you, I, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then Jesus said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little farther, Jesus threw himself on the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. Then Jesus came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, Jesus came and he found the disciples sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, Jesus went away and he prayed for the third time, saying the same words, and then Jesus came to the disciples and he said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. 
With him was a large crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, arrest him. At once, Judas came up to Jesus and said, greetings rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus said to Judas, friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly, one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword, drew it, and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, in whose house the scribes and the elders had gathered. But Peter was following Jesus at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And going inside, Peter sat down with the guards in order to see how this all would end. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. But they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. At last, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The high priest stood up and said, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But Jesus was silent. Then the high priest said to him, I put you under oath before the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has blasphemed! Why do we still need witnesses? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your verdict? They answered, He deserves death. Then they spat in his face and struck him, and some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Messiah. Who is it that struck you? Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, 
you are also with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before all of them, saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, when Peter went out to the porch, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, Now, this man, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know this man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you are also one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then Peter began to curse, and he swore an oath, I do not know the man. At that moment, the cock crowed. Then Peter remembered what Jesus had said, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. When morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus in order to bring about his death. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. betrayer saw that Jesus was condemned. He repented and he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Throwing down the pieces of silver in the temple, Judas departed and he went and hanged himself. Now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You say so. Jesus gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Now at the festival, the governor was accustomed to release a prisoner for the crowd, anyone whom they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Jesus Barabbas. <laughs> Pilate realized that it was out of jealousy that they had handed him. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus killed. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Well, then what should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? And all of them said, let him be crucified. Then he asked, why, what evil has he done? But they all shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took some water and he washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. So he released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Mm 
of the governor who took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole cohort around Jesus. They stripped him, they put on a scarlet robe on him and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on his head. They put a reed in his right hand and knelt before Jesus and mocked him saying, hail king of the Jews. They spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. After mocking Jesus, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they came upon a man from Cyrene named Simon. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when Jesus tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among themselves by casting lots. And then they sat down there and kept watch over him. Over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two bandits were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, then come down from that cross. The bandits who were crucified with him also taunted him in the same way. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those who were with him, who were keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had taken place, they were terrified and they said, truly, this man was God's son. The passion of our Lord Jesus Christ.
as we enter this holy week and reflect on all the losses in the story of Jesus' suffering and death. We also proclaim today that God enters our story and shares all the God-forsaken losses that people are experiencing today all over our globe. In the words of a Eucharistic prayer for times of lament, you entered our sorrows in Jesus, our brother. He was born among the poor. He lived under oppression. He, he wept over the city. With infinite love, he granted the people your life. Jesus enters our sorrows and fears this day. As one writer puts it, he declares solidarity for all time with those who were abandoned, colonized, oppressed, accused, imprisoned, beaten, mocked, and murdered. He bursts open like a seed so that new life can grow and replenish the earth. He takes an instrument of torture and turns it into a bizarre vehicle of hospitality and communion for all people everywhere. So when the earth moves under our feet and we are disoriented, we pray in the words of today's psalm, my life is wasted with grief and my years with sighing. What a relief that such words of lament are part of our biblical tradition, that we are free to express such feelings. We can imagine Jesus praying these very words during his passion. And don't forget that Hosanna, that seems like such a happy word, especially as we wave branches. Hosanna means, Lord, save us. And in this time of great equalizing, these words take on new urgency. Lord, save us. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet? Somehow this day of palm and passion holds the paradox of tragedy and triumph. Many of us are fans of the NBC show, This Is Us. On the season finale just days ago, Rebecca is celebrating the first anniversary of her triplets. Now one of them is adopted because one of the triplets, Kyle, died at birth. Rebecca and her husband, Jack, acknowledged the strange sadness that they are feeling, even as at the first, first birthday of their twins. They pack up their triplets and the entire family goes to visit their OB, Dr. K, who was with them through their earlier loss and at that time provided some helpful wisdom. This time, Dr. K tells of his own deep loss when he and his first wife lost their first child. The song Blue Skies became associated with the sad memories as they would sing the Ella Fitzgerald song, as Dr. K would sing that to his wife's pregnant belly. Blue skies, smiling at me, nothing but blue skies do I see. Blue skies, all of them gone, nothing but blue skies from now on. And then after he had sung those songs to his wife's pregnant be belly, they lost that child. And they would listen to that song over and over. 
and it made them so sad, Dr. K said. And then to their great surprise, his wife got pregnant again. And he sang it again once more to that same belly. Eventually, he wound up dancing to that tune at his father's wedding. That song made us happy, made us sad, made us happy again, he muses. The whole human experience wrapped up in that song. I think the trick is, he went on slowly, not trying to keep the joys and tragedies apart. You have to let them cozy up to one another. You have to let them coexist. Around the table of the Lord, the table for which we long, we sing Hosanna in the highest every Lord's day in times of our deepest joy and our deepest sorrow. All of these times coexist for us as individuals and as the people of God. God's passionate mercy, God's passionate love embraces us and all our suffering world this day, holding us close even as we are physically distant from one another. For as we walk the way of the cross, we trust the promise of spring, the hope of resurrection and new life.